Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. I'll ask you a question, but I don't necessarily mean it about me. I maybe want to apply this to everyone. But could it be said of you that my name is safe in your mouth? Is your friend's name safe in your mouth? Is your boss's name safe in your mouth? Do I feel safe when I'm around you? Do I feel safe emotionally? Do I feel safe physically? Are we going to make it financially, you may ask, of your spouse? Oftentimes, we say things like, I just need to know where we stand in our relationship. Or I really need to know how I'm doing on this job. If I'm not doing something right, please tell me. What I'm describing to you is this need for security. It's also known as harmony in relationships. Uh, It's a relational need that many have, maybe in bigger ways than others, but I think at all times we deal with this need of security. We're in this series called Foundations, Loving God and Loving Others, and we've been looking at ways to remove aloneness in our lives through building relationships with people through meeting their relational needs. So far, you've maybe been with us. We looked at the need of acceptance, and just as Christ has accepted us, we are then to accept one another. We've looked at the need of appreciation, and Jesus healed these lepers, and he was like, well, there's 10 of you, but, but only one came back, and it speaks to this need of giving appreciation for the things that the Lord has done and others have done in our life. We looked on Mother's Day at the need of attention, and Jesus Christ entered into our world and took care of us, and therefore, this need of attention, we need to enter other people's world and take care of them. And then we also, last week, looked at the need of comfort, that the king of this universe has comforted us, and so with that same comfort, we're to comfort others with the comfort which we have received. Well, this morning, I want to remind you that as you experience this kind of love from Christ, then you can express it to others. We talked about earlier this principle in the scripture that says freely we have been given and freely we receive. And so therefore, as we freely receive, now we can freely give. We talked about this other principle with these relational needs. It's going to be hard for me to give you what I haven't received myself. So a lot of times the reason people can't give you security is because they've never received security in their life. They can't give you comfort because they don't know what comfort looks like. They can't give you appreciation because they have never received appreciation. So we've been talking about this and setting this up that first we're, this need has been met by the Lord Jesus in our lives. And as it's being met in our lives, now we can express it to others. One another passages is where we're We've been just as we are to love one another as Christ has loved us. So this morning as we jump in, we're going to be talking about this need of security or living in harmony with one another. And 
I want to turn your attention to Romans chapter 12 for just a few moments. It'll be one of our main texts, Romans chapter 12, verses 16 through 18. You can find a copy of God's Word maybe in the seat pockets there under the chairs. Uh, You know, pull out your phone, uh, pull out your Bible, look on your neighbor, look on the screen. But our, our great God is going to speak through His Word. Romans chapter 12 begins this way. It says, but be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Now, that would we could just stop right there. Not a whole lot of that going on today. This next verse is crazy, right? Do not be wise in your own estimation. Let's just keep going, Paul. Thanks. Never repay evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Now, this being of the same mind toward one another speaks of this common bond which Christians have with each other. No matter where we're at in life, our temperament, our giftings, we're to be of the same mind toward one another. The ESV and the NIV that you may have says live in harmony with one another. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says be in agreement with one another. So I guess the question is, is how, how do we do this? What does it mean to live in harmony with one another? How can I experience peace with everyone? I think that's really what we're going after. Now, these musicians up here would testify that harmony is defined in music as the combination of simultaneous musical notes in a chord. If we apply that relationally, it means instead of being in a, in a duel with one another, we're actually in a duet. Harmony can be defined as interweaving of different accounts into a single narrative. When the, the lawyer's talking to somebody and they're like, well, your story doesn't match their story, he's saying that's disharmonious. But yet when all the stories line up into one complete narrative, it's, it's, there's harmony there. Relationally, that means that we're not always in contradiction with one another, but we complement one another. So living in harmony and living in peace highlights the relational need we all have of security. Security is met by establishing then and maintaining harmony in our relationships. And listen, it means that I provide an environment where people are free from fear of me or from threat for me. To be relationally secure involves mutual expressions of vulnerability, the deepening of trust and the successful resolution of conflict. So security really is a need that God met in our lives ultimately through Jesus Christ. Think about Hebrews 13.5. Jesus promises that he would never leave nor forsake us. That's security language. He pledges in Matthew chapter 6 that he will be faithful to provide for all of our needs. That's security language. And then in John chapter 10, he talks about that we're in his hand and then we're in his father's hand. And that talks about eternal security. That's security language. So since we're kind of there, let's start there and go a little bit more in depth. Let's look at the security with God, and then let's look secondly at the security we can have with one another as a result of that. 
So first of all, here's what I want you to see. Through the vertical work of Jesus' cross, through the vertical work, security is experienced in the heart with God. Through the vertical work that Jesus has done, security can be experienced in our heart with God, with God. So I want you now to kind of maybe turn. It's not going to be necessarily all the time up on the screen. So I want you to turn there. As you turn, you're going to see it on the screen. But we're going to look at Romans 5, chapter 1, uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 for a moment. Paul says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we celebrate in hope of the glory of God. So really what that's telling me is this. It says first that we can experience the wonder of peace with God. We can experience the peace, this wonder of the peace with God. You may not know it, but without Christ, and you may be here today and this is the case, there's hostility in your heart toward God, even if you don't believe there is a God. Before Christ, there's hostility in our heart with God, and it leads to hostility with other people. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, uh, the Bible describes our life before Jesus as describing us as that we are enemies of God. That means that we're at odds with God. We have hatred in our heart for God and his law. In Romans 5, 8, the Bible describes us as sinners, and a sinner is somebody who's broken the law of God, and they're guilty of such rebellion. Romans chapter 5, verse 9 says that before Christ, we are under the wrath of God. Not when you die, but currently, right now, apart from Christ, everyone is under the wrath of God. Thus, if I were a really thinking person, I would be asking the question, well, then how is peace with God even possible? If that's where we're at, but see, that's what Romans 5.1 that we just read just answered. It describes not just the possibility of peace with God, but the provision of that peace with God. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. See, what you may be wondering about has become wonderful. I'm wondering, how can I have peace with God? Well, the wonderful thing is that it comes through Jesus Christ. And we can have the wonder of peace with God. But, but why? Well, that leads to this thought. We can experience the work that gives peace with God. Not just the wonder, but the work. The wonder of peace with God is made possible through the work that provides that peace. So notice in Romans 5.1, it says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that speaks to the cross, the death of our Lord Jesus, the eternal work of salvation that gives us eternal peace with God. Maybe you could learn it maybe this way, maybe visually for those in the audience who are visual learners. So I want you to look at this, and it's a little fuzzy, I understand, but, but work with me. So Romans 6.23 is the verse at the top. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of, our, of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So before we know Christ, there's some things that are true of us. That is, all of us are experiencing the wages of sin, which is death. And then over here, 
We have God, so those of us who are in our sin cannot get to God. There, there's a, a chasm there. God is holy. We've talked about these holy, 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 and we are sinful, sinful, sinful. We can't get to God. God is where life is and where, where death is, and there's no hope for us. The wages of sin is eternal death and separation for God forever and ever. But what God did, and that's what it says here, but, right? That's the contrastive. But the gift, you didn't do anything to earn it. You don't deserve it. I didn't do anything. But the gift, God just freely, because he loves us, gives us eternal life. But pay attention here, through through Christ Jesus our Lord. So therefore, those of us who are currently in sin, experiencing the wages of sin, which is death, can believe and put our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection, which is what the cross is all about. And by going through that faith in Jesus, we now get the gift of God, which is eternal life. That's the gospel, folks. The gospel is a word that means good news. That those of us who were once dead can now have life. The gospel is not about making good people better or making immoral people moral. The, the gospel is about bringing what? Dead people to life. <laughs> Praise God. We can have peace with God. My enemy status, my, my death status, it can all be changed. I'm no longer under the wrath of God. I'm called the child of God. And it happens through faith in Jesus Christ. Wow. Through faith in Jesus' work on the cross and his resurrection, Romans 5.1 tells me that I'm justified. We sing about that just in he will hold me fast, that, that justification has taken place. Justified means just if I'd never sinned is a, a great way to say it. It's a courtroom term, meaning that you were declared righteous, that you were once guilty, but now declared righteous, not based on what you had done, but based on what Christ has done. God looks at his son and says, he's not guilty, but I'm going to punish him in your place, and therefore you now are justified. And then in Romans 5, 9, it says that we are saved from that wrath. Meaning that our sin deserved the full righteous wrath of God, but Jesus' death on the cross satisfied the wrath of God for us. Romans 10 says that now we're reconciled to God, meaning that we were once enemies of God, but now we have been reconciled and been made his friends because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus' work on the cross, now we have peace with God. In, in Romans 5, 2, it says, now we have access by faith into this grace which we stand. This is an amazing thing that the God of this universe would secure our hearts in Jesus Christ, that we wouldn't have to worry what's going to happen to us when we die. We don't have to worry about what we face tomorrow or not because we have Jesus Christ. This is God making us secure in Christ. I don't know if you just kind of woke up today and thought about that, but man, that's good news. The only reason Miss Joyce, and I was at her house, and forgive me, but I'm telling you, I was at her house, and she just kept telling me, I know where Dale is. I know where he's going. That's security. Why? Not because of Dale, but because of Jesus. Hallelujah, folks. So let's just kind of pause. Just right now in this service, and I wonder, would you just meditate with me on a verse of Scripture found in 1 John 5.13? 
See, people ask me all the time, how can you know that what you believe is right? How can you know that you have the only answer? And I'm telling you because 1 John 5.13 says so. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. In other words, this book tells me why I know I can have eternal life. Because it's all about Jesus from the cover to the maps. It's all about Jesus. So would you just meditate? Bring that verse back up with me if you would, care. Would you just go before the Lord right now, just in, in just whatever form, fashion you want to go before him, and would you just give him thanks if you know that you know? And if you don't, would you just begin to say, God, if you really are real, would you help me to know today? Would you just pray that right now in this room right now? Just go before him and give him some praise. Salvation's so rich, Lord. So multifaceted. So many more things about it that I don't even know. Thank you, Jesus, for the security that I have in you. I wonder if you'd look back up here just for a moment. Here's what we want to do now. I just want to remind you what we just did. Through the vertical work of the cross, security can be experienced in my heart with God. Now watch what happens as a result. Secondly, through the horizontal work of Jesus' cross, security now can be expressed in the home with one another. As a result of having peace in my heart, now I can express it in my home. Understand that through the vertical work of Jesus' cross, security can be experienced, and it results in, it results in horizontally being right with other people. Listen, I'm going to make a statement here, and I'm not trying to be right. I'm just saying, if you disagree with this, please come see me. But I've just come to find that you cannot have peace with other people until you first have peace with God. I just believe that in my heart. It's going to be near impossible to have peace with other people until you first have peace with God. You think about it in marriage. When we have conflict in marriage... You won't have harmony in your marriage until you first have harmony with God in your marriage. You think about family conflict. There's no peace in the family if there's no peace with God. Think about it with your children. There's a rebellious child. He has anger in his heart, anger in their heart, always arguing with parents and siblings and those kind of things. I'm telling you, the reason it exists is because that child is angry with God. When there's no peace with God, there's no peace in the family. So then how can security be expressed in those relationships in the home? That's what you're probably asking. Well, teach us how. Well, let me give you a few things, kind of theoretically, and then let me move into some deep application. First of all, security is expressed through humility. You won't have security in any relationship unless there's humility. Romans 12 exhorts believers in light of God's grace to to do this. Romans 12.3 says this. For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, 
But to think so as to have sound judgment as God allotted to each a measure of faith. So in other words, and if we have grace and we have peace with God, it should cause us to be deeply humble people. And then in the text that we read earlier, Romans 12, be of the same mind toward one another and don't be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Don't be wise in your own estimation. Let me, let me help you understand why we're here. Because just as you came to the cross in humility, just as you came to the cross in brokenness, which resulted in repentance and experiencing peace with God, I'm to keep that same type of brokenness and humility now as I approach other people. So the same humility that it took me to know Jesus is the same humility he wants me to live out now that I do know him. That humility never changes. But then secondly, security is also expressed through vulnerability, and this is so hard for most people. Because when you get vulnerable, you can get hurt. And I'm just trying to tell you, it's worth it. Because you can't have authentic relationships without vulnerability. And sometimes the people you love the most hurt you the most. Amen? But just as I was vulnerable with my sin and who I really was and the confession and my apology to Jesus when I came to him at the cross, now I have to be just as vulnerable with other people with my sin. So if I'm a very humble person and I'm a very vulnerable person, people are secure around me. Does that make sense? So let me help you with this idea of vulnerability and applying it very quickly to admitting when we have been wrong to reestablish security in relationships. And here's the way to make a biblical, effective apology. So first of all, I've got to confess specifically what I have done. So if I have sinned against you in some way or done something that, that has hurt you or whatever, then I have to come to you and I have to specifically say exactly what it is that I've done. Well, I was, you know, I did this the other day. That ain't going to cut it. The other day at 2 p.m. when we were in the library and I raised my voice at you and said, I don't like you. That's what we're talking about. I've got to get very specific. Secondly, then I say these words. I was, say it with me. See, last week we talked about comfort. When you say I'm sorry, sorry is an emotion that goes with comfort. It does not go with an apology. I was wrong, period. Here, here, this is the specific thing, and now I was wrong. Thirdly, this is where it gets tricky. And then you have to think about things before you go to them, and you say this, you may have felt and fill in the blank. Because this helps them know that you've thought about what it's like to be on the other end of you. I mean, what's it like for people to be on the other end of you? So before I go making an apology and a confession to somebody, I have to ask myself, what was it like for them to have been on the other end of what I've just done? So when I raised my voice, you may have felt very afraid that maybe I was going to harm you. 
You may have felt like you couldn't trust me anymore because it's unsafe now because I've raised my, you may have felt very scared. You may have felt like I was your father and I know how, how hurt you were in those relationships with your father. I've got to think through that to let the other person know I've put some thought into this and acknowledge where they're at. And then here's something else that might blow your mind. And then you ask them, is there anything else you'd like to share with me about this? Because I may not have even got half of it right. And then they share with me, well, you know, you did raise your voice. And then I also saw the way you looked at me with your eyes. And I've never been so hurt. Then guess what I get to do? The next step. I go back to step one. You're right. There we were. And I did. I rolled my eyes not just once but twice. And then I stared into your soul like I wanted to hurt you. I was wrong. You must have felt like, is there anything else you'd like to share with me about this? And then we go through it again until the person says, well, no, I think we've got it all. Then we say the last thing. Will you please forgive me? I get real secure with people who do that. I can grow close to people who know to effectively apologize through vulnerability. When they get it wrong, they own it. But then also, security is expressed through transparency with the gospel. I've got to be real with the effective power of the gospel in my life. That means that I preach and practice the very same things. I have to remind myself that through the gospel, I have peace with Christ and I can pursue peace with other people that I can be reconciled with God and I can be reconciled with others, that the wrath I deserved has been removed, so therefore I can't be wrathful towards other people. So the gospel has the power to deliver my soul from hell. The gospel surely has the power to reconcile any other relationship on this planet. So expressions of security to one another may look, now we begin to get a little practical. Seek to increase relational security in your closest relationships. Seek to increase relational security in those that are closest with you. So, this is just no-brainer stuff, but, but pay attention. Husbands and wives, live in such a way that your faithfulness can never be questioned. Live in such a way that it can't even be questioned. My wife has full access to all my emails. She has full access to my phone. We have joint accounts and all our social media. Just, I put her on text when I text females. I copy her, blind copy copy her when I text other females. I don't eat lunch with other females by myself. I don't get in cars with females because it could be perfect and nothing is wrong, but it could be questioned. And I never want her to have to feel that way about me. Maybe your standards are just, you don't have to go there. I'm just telling you, this is what I do. I give constant reassurance to my wife. Her need for security, if it comes up in her life, needs like this are not one and done. <laughs> well, I met, you know, it's kind of like the guy standing at the altar. I told you I loved you. If I ever changed my mind, I'd tell you again. Well, dude, I mean, we need more than that. So, so to meet these needs in people's lives is not one and done. Sometimes I have to secure somebody and meet that need of security many times in a single day. 
over and over, I have to say things like, I'll never leave you. We're in this together. We'll do whatever it takes. For some of you, you've learned unfaithful conflict management in your home, and I, I feel for you, but listen to me. Here's something I want you to know. Never walk away from a conversation with your spouse without clear communication of when you're going to pick it back up. Never just walk away and, and just kind of walk out the door because that leaves that person feeling so insecure, and it is dangerous for your marriage. You say things like this, you know what, I realize that I need to take a break. I will be back in five minutes. I'm going outside on the porch. I'm just going to breathe, and I, I'm promising you I'll be back in five minutes. Or maybe you say, I've got to take a day. I don't know, but put some boundaries on it. Say things like, I sense that we're struggling, but I'm committed to working this out. Maybe not right now, but I'm committed maybe tomorrow or the next day to working this out, but don't leave them hanging. If your spouse says, hey, are we okay? Be okay with them asking if they're okay. Don't say you're stupid. What do you mean are we okay? Yeah, we're okay. Because now that's threatening language, see? That's not security language. You just say, hey, if you need me to remind me of how much I love you, let me get started. <laughs> and you just count the ways. Tell them over and over. Gossip and slander in a relationship with other people, it's not, it's not cool. In other words, I started out today's message, is my name safe in your mouth? Is your spouse's name safe in your mouth? Anyway, let's look at another one. Providing financial security to those whom you're responsible. Follow biblical principles of stewardship found in the Bible. Number one is just get a budget. If you need help with that, please see us. We have great people here who can help you. I can help you. Reggie and Joanna, man, they, they lead this thing, man, uh, Financial Peace University sometimes in the, in the fall, and, and they can help you. Make decisions together about money. Provide adequate things for your family. Don't be frivolous with your money. Keep all your spending out in the open for both parties to see. Don't have a my account and your account. It, you became one in marriage, so have a, a joint account. If you're an employer, I mean, you're on the job, let people know where they stand. Address conflict quickly. Keep your promises to your employees or to those that are around you. That's security for them. Financial security is a, just as important as relational security, I promise you. There's something else. Be consistent with how you relate to people because emotional consistency breeds feelings of security. Mood swings undermine security in a relationship because I just don't know the you I'm going to get. So if you need help with that, please see a doctor and get some medicine. I promise you it's going to help. Develop emotional self-control. A quick temper hinders security. Just so you know that. If you are quick-tempered, your kids are not secure around you because they don't know when you're going to fly off. Last thing, keep your promises. Always do the things that you've committed to do. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. So remember now, we've talked about that We've experienced this peace 
in our heart with God, now which results into us now having peace in our home. And as we've been accustomed during this series, now is going to be the time that we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord something that's going to be here on the screen. We're going to pray a prayer that says, Lord, who in my life do I need to seek to be at peace with? Lord, who needs more security? I want you just to ask that. I just, Lord, who in my life, who, who is it in my life that I need to seek to be at peace with? Who is that? Lord, show me. Who in my life needs more security? Would you just pray that right now before the Lord? Would you just go before him and ask him, who do I need to be at peace with? Let's pray together. And a great first step, I think, could be just to say this. Maybe you can text somebody. Maybe you can email them. Maybe you can write a note down that you're going to give to them later. Maybe you're going to put it in your phone. Call such and such at 2 p.m. today. You're taking a first step, and you just say something like this. Listen, today I was in the house of God. And the Lord brought me, brought you to my heart. And I know things haven't been right between us. And the Lord showed me that. I want to figure out how to work this out. That's the first step. So I want to right now, and just, just complete vulnerability and transparency before the Lord that you maybe just want to take and text that person and just tell them that. Maybe you want to send that email. Maybe you want to go to them right now in this room (laughs) but we can't be just hearers guys we cannot be just hearers of the word we have to be doers and I'm telling you in my experience as a pastor for 29 years I'm telling you the reason the world isn't reached is between the invitation and the time you get to your car something happens with your obedience and you forget about it I'm trying to change that by helping you do it here right now. Don't wait till you get home because I promise you, you will talk yourself out of it. Right now. So I'm going to ask our band to come. I'm going to ask our super talented musicians to make their way up here. And I wonder today, Is there anybody in the house today who would say, you know, man, I need this Jesus in my life? Steve, when you gave that illustration, I know that I'm over here and I'm not with God. I really want to be with God. Maybe you want to place your faith in what Jesus has done to forgive you of your sin today. And Pastor Justin and and some others, my wife and some others will be up here to receive you to talk about that. Maybe you've got a super difficult situation and you don't know how to navigate the first steps and maybe you want to pray about that. Maybe your home isn't as peaceful as you'd like it and you'd like us to pray about that. I really don't know what it is you'd like to pray about, but I want to right now, would you just stand to your feet? I'm going to pray a quick prayer and then we're going to sing and just let the Lord do what the Lord does. But Jesus, thank you so much that you provide us peace. And then you make us these people of peace.
Lord, take the obedience that we're offering to you this morning and do an amazing work of reconciliation. We trust you for it.